0: Hello and welcome to While We Sing Together, the Telegraph's Coventry City podcast. There's a different host this week, I'm Matt Kendrick and I'm filling in for our Sky Blues Star Wars Andy Turner. In the latest episode we catch up with Steve Frogart. Froggy's got some great stories to tell. He talked about watching helplessly as Coventry were relegated, his England agony and what it was like to meet the opponent who inflicted his career-ending injury. Don't forget you can subscribe to While We Sing Together on iTunes or Audio Boom. In fact we highly recommend it. And don't forget to leave a glowing review for us while you're there. Anyway, without further ado, here's Steve Frogger. I kicked off by asking him how his move to Coventry first came about. Coventry City. It was, I suppose, it it was when the curtain came down, I suppose, wasn't it? Yeah. Really. So, just tell us what would have been your... your first of all, how the Coventry move came about, and then that leads us into kind of how it all
1: ended, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I was at Wolves, and... Um, Basically, the chairman had told us that he was going to sell me and Robbie Keane at some stage. So it wasn't a case of you know we were both kids at the time. I was only I was only twenty four when I left Wolves, and we were told that we were going to be sold to balance the books. So from that moment I was I thought, okay, right, we need to sort this out. I did, I did. I wasn't going to leave Wolves in the lurch and go on a free. So I said, look, give me a, give me a year's contract. If you want to get rid of me, fine. We'll we'll part amicably, and that's it. Fine. It's football, nothing you can do about it. So I had a choice, I, I, I could have gone to quite a few Premier League clubs at the site. I know Liverpool were trying to sign me, that didn't work out because they, they spent all their money on st- on uh, bigger players. Um, Middlesbrough, I went up to see them and that was interesting because they'd offered me Paul Merson's house. and when I went in, he'd obviously got out of Middlesbrough in a hurry because his, his fridge was full of food. His clo- all his clothes was in the wardrobe I can't imagine it he full wouldn't of figured food. It I can't have figured out there must have been some, some beer in <laughs> there was some, well. there was some beer in there yeah yeah but, but, but that, I would have been at, at his next door neighbour was Alan Shearer oh, right. so they were trying to oversell me the football yeah. club but it was difficult at the time because my wife we, we had an eighteen month old son and she was pregnant again so to have gone all up to Middlesbrough left her in the lurch yeah, the way yeah. I would have done I couldn't have done that to, to her or my family so I went to see Coventry was hugely impressed with Gordon Strachan Coventry seemed like a real family club, and, and I was you know I was desperate to go playing in the Premier League yeah. again. I felt I'd been out of the, that league for too long, yeah. and I wanted to get back in there. So and that's basically what happened.
0: So you had how many years would you've had at Coventry? I was there
1: three, four years. It was four years before before injury officially ended my my career.
0: And what would your whole life have been during that time, like there?
1: Well, getting called into the England team. It's a huge one. I, you know, I never forget it. We 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 played Watford on a Sky live game on the Sunday. I'd scored. Um, we won very comfortably, and then I got called into Strach's office on the Tuesday morning and said, "Son, you've been called in England squad." And I thought it was a, like, a, like it's a joke. It's, this is a wine, a um, I was looking for big Paul Williams in the background. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good one, you And he said, "No, seriously, you're you're in the England squad."
0: Had there been no indication? None whatsoever. No.
1: Well, I guess that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. So. All of a sudden, there was a media big, you know, it was mental. You know, there were people going through my dustbins for, for, honestly, I kid you not. And what was scary is my wife was, she was pregnant with uh, my second child at the time. So the two weeks I was away, or 10 days away, an international duty due was due any day. And when we... We beat Scotland at Hampden Park on the Saturday, Scolsey scored two headers. I was on the bench. So for me, it was like the proudest moment ever. I was actually representing my country. Next, Keegan flew me home and Jules went into Labour that Saturday night. So six o'clock in the morning, she's given birth. They've flown me back. So I've gone Is back your to daughter? The, my daughter. My daughter, Leah, yeah. So I've flown back to, to the England squad on the uh, early hours of, of Tuesday morning. And I'm in training, and I'm a bit jaded because I'd, I'd had like an hour's sleep, and I'm training with the England first team again. And Keegan's come over to me, and he's gone. He said, "I was going to play you tomorrow night at home." He says, "But it's I can't, says, I can't risk it." He says, "Because you look knackered." He said, "It's your first, He said, it might be a bit too much for you." I went, and actually, I agreed with him. I thought he was absolutely spot on. So I wasn't in the squad. Sorry, I wasn't on the bench on on the Tuesday night. We got beat by Don Hutchison. Headed, didn't we? As we were walking off the pitch, he went. Right, you're going to play. He said, I, I should have ignored what I said to you. He said, I should have started here. He says, but I promise you, you'll play against Russia and Ukraine the next two games. Following week, we played Sunderland at home. That was the end of my career. It's and that's literally how it happened.
0: So... Without wishing to open up old wounds, no. no. To, to, to remind us how then the
1: injury occurred. Oh, it was a, it was a bad tackle from Nicky Summerby and and you made your peace with him, haven't you? I have. No, you can't go through life no matter who you are. You can't carry bitterness with you. There's no. I I I bumped, I, I just saw him. I was at Man City. He was it was with his dad, Mike, and I came up to him, and he he, he could see. He, he went as white as a ghost. He's and I shook his hand. I said, "Are oh, you?" Know, he said, "I thought you were going to kill me." <laughs> I went. <laughs> Do you know it can happen? It's what we always had a. You know, we, we played against each other. I remember playing against him at Swindon at Villa Park when we beat him five one and, and, and we gave him the run around. And he, he hated playing against us anyway because he, he he never got the better of me and Tony Daly at the time. And it was just one of those things. But the nice story that came from that was on the when I flew back to the England squad on the Sunday, Keegan threw a like a a, a party, not party. It was, he, he had a meal for me, gave me a huge Jeroboam of champagne, which I still got to this day. And my dining partner the same night was—I I had dinner for two with David Beckham. So right, I'm, sat, right. I'm sat talking babies. He's got Brooklyn. I've got Ashley. Aaliyah. It's the most surreal thing. I, I, I thought you could say he's got Brooklyn. I've got a little warm. <laughs> <man."> <laughs> but it's, it, but that, that will be, you know, when my daughter gets married. That's my that's my ready-made story. By the way, when you were born, I was having dinner with David Beckham. That's it. Um, and so not only it,
0: did that stop you in your prime dreamland. But you must have been loving life
1: at Coventry as well, hadn't you? It, yeah, I mean, again, another fantastic group of players. I mean, it, it, it was... You could say Coventry City was, even at that time, an unfashionable club yeah. in real terms. But I loved it. I, I loved every minute. We had uh, Oggie, Stephen Griswich who I adored, even the kit man Andy Harvey. There was Roland Nielsen, who was brilliant, who taught me so much. Gary McAllister, Noel Witt. I look that. there were some really good players. And, and the big the biggest heartbreak for me was... The year I the year I got injured, I hadn't I wasn't actually officially retired. That was another year later. It was the season after I got injured. We got relegated, and I had to sit. and It was one of the toughest things I've ever done. I had to sit week in, week out, not knowing whether I'd ever play again. Watching my teammates struggling, and I the, the gaffer was as good as gold to me because he even he even took me to Villa Park. On the, he, he, I travelled every week because he wanted me part of the yeah. squad, and I was at Villa Park when when Villa beat him uh, for the last game of the season, we got relegated. And I, had to, and I had to sit there watching my teammates come in after the dress room, having been relegated, feeling it's so helpless, helpless. Because, and, at this, and even then, I didn't know I was going to have to retire. Yeah. It wasn't until the start, middle of next season, that I went to my physio and went, I'm struggling, aren't I And the club had been waiting for me to actually decide myself that actually I was never going to play again. And then they went. Yeah, we've known for some time, but we wanted you to come to that decision yourself, which I thought was great of them. And they, tri- they Coventry were on every level brilliant with me, which is why I'm so, I'm still so fond of the club today because they, they couldn't have done enough to have got me through that period in their life to the point where they even gave me a job as their media guy. i was going to ask
0: that because obviously we're we more that side of the fence. What what was that like?
1: Hard. In the, in the fact, <laughs> do
0: you have a good relationship with the local? Journalists Well they always anyway. did
1: because I, because I was always One of those players That good, bad or indifferent I would stand up And talk with them yeah. So they, they were the journos Were great with me Which is why Eventually I've gone Into it myself yeah. In terms of the media side um, But it was tough Because I was trying To get players To do interviews Which they didn't want to do They were trying To be nice to me Because they, they knew What a tough position It was in But it, it came to a point Where And I know Stan Petrov Had the same thing yeah. It was so hard Too soon Being at the football yeah. club when I needed to get out the club I needed to go and clear my head and get because my dad had died as well and I would just lost the will to live at that point I had to just escape football and that, that's what happened but it was a great club got love Gordon Strachan he was great Gary Pendry the ex-blues uh, manager and player was there he was gr- fantastic fun and we we had some really good times we had our struggles as well um but we you know it was a really enjoyable period and I can I can honestly say I was f- I'm very fortunate because I was at three really good clubs and I enjoyed my time at every single one of them. I can't I can't fault any place I went to, and for that I've got a, you know I, I think I'm very fortunate as well. So what the what would the dressing room have been like? Come Murder? From? Oh, it was it was well you so think forget- would have been your kind partner in crime then? Eh? Well, when Robbie Keane signed, obviously Robbie, yeah. because me me and Robbie caused murders at Wolves because yeah. we after the story I told you about me having my sleeve cut off my jacket when I was a kid me and Robbie did it to the entire first team at Wolves and carried it on to Coventry which didn't go down well with the senior player so I remember I won't name the name of the player where he spent £200 on a pair of shoes and I got a standing knife cut the sole out stuck it in with like glue and sat me and Robbie sat like a pair of hyenas in a corner waiting for him to put his foot through, through. <laughs> and he's going what? so eventually they, they got wind me and Robbie were causing murders in the, in the dressing room all the time but it was great I think when Robbie came that really helped me out because I had such a great understanding with him at Wolves yeah. and he was I was really close to Rob yeah. that he was so good as well at that stage when he came to Comtree he was, he, was yeah. he was fantastic Turn, turned our club around um, but it was, a, it was a great it was a really good dressing room it, it again honest really honest players because it wasn't I can't say it was like the same quality as what I played at, at Villa because that was a team challenging for the top of yeah. the Premier League this was never the case and I found I found at times it hard at commentary because I used to get the ball in far deeper positions yeah. it, it wasn't to the point where in the end I said to Gordon said, listen you've got to start playing me fullback I said because I know this is where I'm going to end my career this is where I need to be and he started playing me fullback and unfortunately I got injured I'd been playing fullback for five six games got in the England squad as a result of it and then it, it didn't happen so, so again, unanswered questions: whether at commentary, having played fullback, whether you know that would have probably been the rest of my career. I think. How was it to adapt to the position? Easy, really, because as I said to you, I was you're always starting position was coming deeper and deeper it. I, I was always happy with the ball being in front of me. Yeah. I was never. I, I, I self admit I was never great with, with my back to the ball because I wasn't a big physical presence. Yeah. I'm fairly tall. I'm, I'm, I'm over six foot, but in terms of physicality, I was never enormous. I wish I was the size I am now. Back then, I'd have been fine but with the ball in front of me and I, I was I had a decent I, you know, put, one of my big assets was I had a decent left foot so I knew I could play the ball in anywhere and also the great thing is because I was quick I could get up and down the who pitch would have been who would have been Paul Williams Richard Shaw again who would have played your
0: side Williams Willow yeah so would it, he, he must have been helpful in that those few
1: games again one of my best mates in the game to this day He's at, obviously he's at Birmingham City now on the coaching staff but massive influence on my career Paul he was he was so helpful but such a big strong personality in that dressing room as was, as was Richard Shaw as well
0: and just just finally you know we, we need, need to, to get your thoughts on current situation at country. I know Mark Robbins is doing his best yeah. to take that first step back back on the way and
1: how do you sum it up is there a glimmer of it's a disaster <laughs> is there a glimmer I, of optimism in there Froggy Say one thing to say I think Robbo's doing a great job yeah. I think he's doing a fantastic job and I think he's the right man for that job can I get enthusiastic about where we are in League 2? How can I? How can anybody? I was in a, I was a, I was, for me, Coventry was Premier League. League 2, just. I, I, I struggle with the whole getting enthusiastic about where we are. I can't. I can't. And I don't think anybody would expect me to be. Because the club's been run that badly for so many years now. And I'm on the side of the supporters. It, break, it truly breaks my heart to see where, where Coventry City are because they deserve better than that, the supporters do. The whole thing's, you know, it, it's, it's been a mess for a long time and it'll probably be a mess for a longer time, the way things stand as, as it is. Potentially a takeover
0: on the horizon. I know we've heard this before. It, it, it needs to happen, doesn't it?
1: It's been needing to happen for a long time. there needs some fresh impetus into the club. They need their own ground. They, they, the club will never move forward unless they own, they own their own ground. That's the big. That's, that was the biggest mistake. Is moving to a stadium we never owned, and that ne- it's never made sense to me on any level. Um, you know, and the supporters that are going there, you know, I, you, you, you've got to feel sorry for them. And and and, uh, and they go there and they try and support their team under really tough circumstances. I, I, you know, I, I really feel for them because they've gone through the mill. You know, when I look at my two other teams who've got money and, you know, the world's a different place, even though they're not in the Premier League, yeah. you look at Compton City and what they've had to go through. And, you know, I, I hope I'm never that stat who, who was the last England international to play for Compton City. Yeah. Because someone, the reason I said that, somebody put it on social media the other day and I thought, God, it's that 2001, that's 16 years ago. I never, you never want to be a stat where yeah. you think it might never happen again, but I, I just hope something I think, changes. You
0: know, You've
1: got that distinction for the next ten years. I well, guess, be, the there's going to be a while, I guess, isn't yeah. it? But yeah, I mean, it, it does. I, I was I was so close to the club and still am that actually I find it hard going there. Yeah. I find it really difficult going there because of, of what's happened there, and there's friends of mine have lost jobs where I'm not happy about that as well. Good people in the game, like Andy Harvey, good people in the game, and, and it, I, the whole situation at country I wrestle with my conscience every day about it because. You know, I was part of the team when we was in the Premier League. I saw the team get relegated and, yeah, the the whole town deserves better. It really does. But they need a home. I think the biggest thing is they need a home. Once they get a home and somewhere permanent to play, I think the club can, the the green shoots of recovery will start. But whilst, whilst they're nomads, I just don't see what's going to happen with them. I think you've nailed it there, boy. With, with that phrase, deserves better. So, Thanks so much for your time. My always, pleasure. always
0: great to listen to, to your insights, and um, we'll catch up with you again soon. All right, thanks, Thank mate. Thank you. Well, a big thanks to Froggy for some brilliant insight into his Sky Blues days and strong words about the current state of his former club. A quick reminder that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Audioboom, and don't forget to give us a glowing rating. Until next time, you've been listening to While We Sing Together.